Hey everyone, it's me, Matthew, with With a First Link. Just letting you know that this episode was also recorded during this past spring and summer during the writer's strike, which coincidentally is happening, uh, was happening back in 1989 when this episode was actually produced, Shades of Grey. And we reflect on that in the episode. But if you're wondering why we're reflecting on circumstances that are happening back that long ago, that's why. Uh, season three has one episode we also recorded during that time, uh, Evolution. And then as of episode two of season three, we'll be back to concurrent, produced, regular, live time in the space-time continuum episodes. Anyways, we're really excited that we got through two seasons and that we're heading into season three. Thank you all of those who have been listening all this time. And uh, we look forward to having you back for season three of Star Trek The Next Generation, as well as with the first link. Hello, and welcome to With the First Link, the podcast that hopes to make our future as bright and as just as the one that we see in Star Trek The Next Generation. And we think that one way to do that is to recap and discuss the entire series one episode at a time, doing our best to look at it all through an anti-oppression, pro-diversity, anti-racist lens. I'm Ruthie Cowper samoshi And I'm Matthew Simone, and today we'll be talking about Shades of Grey. This episode was written by Maurice Hurley, Richard Manning, and Hans Beimler, and directed by Rob Bowman, and first aired on July 15th, 1989. This is another three-writer episode. That's how you know it's going to be good. (laughs) So uh, for today's check-in, this episode is a clip show. It's I read actually two different things. One was that this was a result of a writer's strike. The other thing I read was that they spent so much money on uh, the Sherlock Holmes episode, Elementary Deer Data, and on Q Who with the Borg that they ran out of money. So whatever the reason, they had to do a clip show. I mean, if you were going to spend money on any of the episodes, those would have been the ones. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So for today's check-in, I thought we could reflect on some notable moments uh, throughout the last two seasons. So Matt, were there any 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 moments sticking out for you or any any themes or ideas sticking out for you from the last two seasons? Well, I love the introduction of the Borg. Yeah. The Borg ended up becoming such an important adversary in Star Trek. Uh, make what you will about the where they ended up and whether or not they're overused later on. But I think it's it's a foil that helps us kind of think about our our own individual selves, the fear of losing our individuality, but also as like an antithesis to the Federation itself, which is based on individual freedoms, even though, and this, I think this is an interesting point, people think that creating a more democratically socialist society would, would curtail our freedoms, that we don't have the ability for like uh, as much personal ownership or whatever, that that means that that would be us being the Borg. Yeah. So it's interesting that like the society that we portray in the future is one of a socialist nature. They even say that specifically in Strange New Worlds. I actually use the word at an episode. It's like yeah. socialist utopia. But that it's it's still based on individual freedoms. And I think that's that's true. And so what would a society look like that's the opposite? And that's, I think, kind of what the Borg basically are. So I'll get into some of my favorite or some, some notable moments for me in a bit. But I just to respond to that, I think that the individual freedom is important, but it never comes at the expense of someone else's well-being or someone else's freedom. And that is 
where Mm -hmm. people kind of, I think, misuse or maybe appropriate that idea of individual freedoms, like my freedom to be bigoted or my freedom to discriminate, right? Like that. Sure. and, And so, again, yeah, that socialist utopia that we see in TNG is, yeah, individual freedoms are important, but not more important than sort of communal well-being. And I feel like the sure. Borg have it the opposite. They have no individual freedom and they don't seem to really have communal well-being. Like they deactivate and disintegrate their drones if they're weakening the collective. So it's not like they're they're looking out for each other. I feel a lot more like a drone plugged into uh, into capitalism, that's for sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's very extractive. Yeah. It's and it is. I mean, like the yeah. the idea is they want to take what is useful from the technology or the biology of different species and cultures. So it is it's yeah, like a totally consumed. capitalistic, extractive way of way of being. Yeah. And then I mean that there's ultimately uh you could I mean, measure of a man. Yeah. That's gonna be the other big one yeah, of this season. For sure. Measure of a man. This, this great legal battle for the rights of of a being who is sentient. And how many times do we go in our society, or how many times have we seen in our own history, trying to define certain people as less than human or not quite human in order to treat them like property? In slavery, is an example, which yeah. is, and that's literally cited in the episode. Yeah, Measure of Man is definitely one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite episodes from the last two seasons, for sure. I also, I have really enjoyed over this past season watching Pulaski kind of grow and and change and become mm-hmm. in a way like quite close with data i liked her and i'm sad that we're not gonna see her anymore yeah this is this is it for her if we get a, a brief yeah. shout out in picard with the uss pulaski <laughs> just a brief just mention but that's it yep i also will say i do like how Riker's character has been developed and how his relationship with picard has been developed I think the character of Riker sort of changed from how they originally conceived him to how Jonathan Frakes played him, uh, and I think definitely changed for the better. So I, I've i been enjoying that over the last little while. Yeah, and I think Picard has changed as well. Like I think he's becoming more of the character that we're used to him being later on in, in the series. I, what, I don't know how I want to describe him. I think he becomes a lot more like measured he is less uppity he's he's more uppity at the beginning <laughs> of the season and the first season and second season and then he starts to level out a little bit more and i think that's true because if you look at where he is in the first episode the way that he is with Riker, uh wesley and then where he is at the end of the series oh yeah i think sure. it's a it's a much different place and i don't know if that was intentional or i think he becomes more secure in his authority I don't know if that's the intention of, of how he's written, but that that is kind of how it comes across to me. Like the way he behaves in the very early seasons, he's so rigid and kind of stiff. And that feels like someone who doesn't feel secure enough in their own authority to trust it. So they have to rely on rules and and titles and of course, he still does rely on those later, but he also knows that his crew trusts him and that he can trust himself to make good decisions and good calls and good, mm-hmm. like, make, like, order people to do 
things that he believes in. Yeah. Yeah. We had Guinan show up this season. Yeah. That was amazing. I love Guinan. I love Guinan too. I think her character, she comes in as like a heart of the the values that are embodied by the Federation. Yeah. In a sense, and and gets to and just kind of as a bit of a moral compass on the ship, which makes sense because he's she's at the very front of the ship. And yes, so, ten forward, right at the front, guides the ship. Ten forward, the very front of the ship. Yeah, that's right. Helps to guide the ship, and she never like comes down on people heavy handed. It's more of just like these little nudges, you know, and, and challenges them a little bit in their thinking. And I and I really appreciate the addition of her character to the show. I think added a lot. Yeah, to Star Trek. Yeah, it did. There is, unfortunately, I think it does play into the trope of the sort of like magical black person who mm. doesn't have their own problems, but is there to help other people solve their problems. And that's, that is unfortunate. Sure. I will say I think the show is better with her than without her. Mm. And we know that it was she very much wanted the role. Yeah, she wanted to be on the show. The show. So that's, yeah. And, that's, and she that's talked about how important Uhura was for her as like watching Star Trek when she was younger. Uh, any any other reflections over the last couple seasons? Things you think that, that stick out or things that you want to mention? I have a reflection for us. I didn't think we'd make it this far. Oh, you didn't? <laughs> well, when our, when our little project started, like the end of two seasons seemed so far away. I know. And then all of a sudden we're here. And I, I remember we joked about this episode of what, of what we would do with what, it. What are we, we going to do? <laughs> And I had suggested, and I, you were like, kind of tempered it with a little bit more reason. <laughs> where I was like, let's make it a flashback episode of our own episodes, so like cutting back in time. Yeah. But then we realized what the editing of that would be like. And also, I didn't know how we would do it. Like, visual cues work for flashbacks in video, but we could have like the flashback sound, like the boom, boom, <laughs> but it would just be us like quoting ourselves <laughs> from other episodes. I don't know how exciting that would be. But if we were to go on strike, maybe that's how we would edit it. I don't know. But it ended up being more work. I feel like it would. Yeah, it would be more work than than just recording and talking about what happened. It would be funny to yeah. listen to back episodes and see how we've changed. Because I feel like we have gotten a little better at what we're doing. And uh, hopefully that will continue as we go. I, I believe that's objectively true. Just... Just given how much easier it is to edit episodes now from like before when I when we were trying to make our sound so sound a little bit more fluid than we actually were. Like, yeah. Doing okay. Oh, we're doing okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, there is a lot of editing that happens in these episodes. A lot of yeah. long pauses that you don't hear in the final product. You're like, uh, uh you say what now? Yeah. Uh, but by the way, our audience out there, hello, all how many of you are out there? At least two that I know of. But if you have, have uh, flashbacks of our show that you want to share with us, if there's moments that you thought were cool or you like the work that we're doing or something in particular that stood out, let us know. Yeah. That would be good. It's nice to know that people are listening to us and, yeah, and sure. enjoying what we have to talk about. Send us a, send us a tweet. And then I, I thought it might be worth reflecting. I know we touched on this a little bit in the last episode, but that this, we are recording this in the midst of an actual writer strike, yeah. which was one of the reasons why, as you were saying, this episode is kind of the way that it is, that it's sort of just borrowing from past material because I guess they didn't have time to write a lot or shoot a lot or or both. And it looks like as of today, I was reading that uh, uh, it is likely this week that SAG-AFTRA will also be going on strike in solidarity with the writers. So the yeah. actors may be walking out as well this week. Yeah. I don't know what that will mean for TV in the next while, but yeah. maybe we'll be seeing more flashback episodes. Yeah, maybe. I mean... You know, people who 
make things deserve to be paid for what they made and yeah people at the top shouldn't be just taking all the money yeah it's really sad to see that happening and it's sad when i hear about I get, you hear about this a lot in the video game industry too with video game writers how there's so many games that we love so much and I, as a gamer that I, I appreciate so much from these studios the quality of the work and just the beauty of the stories and the, the graphics and like everything that goes into them and then you hear that these people are working under like pretty awful conditions and often not paid well there's not a lot of job security and that's just so sad yeah it's just such a sad state I feel that the world is in that we don't see work as inherently like worth compensating yeah and we, we want to put more emphasis on the power of ownership yeah and you're like well these people own the studio or they own they employed you they get to have yeah. this and it's just like well that's not a sustainable way to continue to enjoy things yeah if you like this stuff then support the people who are making it don't harass them online don't shame them for walking out and fighting for their own rights and respect and everything else. Like I talk about during the pandemic, all of us were kept entertained and partly more sane as a result of all the work that these artists are doing. Yeah. Writers, actors, programmers, VFX artists, like the work that goes into it. And then at the end of, at the midst of all that, this, this now the, all this AI stuff going on, which just seems like such a slap in the face. Oh, yeah. You know, and in fact, like I know... I know an artist personally who has said that they found out that some of their work has been used to train AI and they didn't receive any compensation for that. Yeah. Anyways, that's my that's my rant. Support unions. Totally, totally. Support unions, support workers. Let's support artists. Work on making our socialist moneyless utopia. I'm in, I'm here for That's it. what they call it, right? In in strange new worlds. Yeah. <laughs> yes. All right, should we get into this episode? Yeah, yeah. So it opens with spooky music. LaForge and Riker are on a planet, and Riker has an injury from something that has jabbed him in the calf. Yeah, he's kind of grumpy about it, and he doesn't think that it's a very big deal, but LaForge is like, nope, we got to go back to the ship. We're the first survey team ever on this planet, so we have no idea what's down here. It is. It's always funny And are wearing to me. no protection yeah, of any kind. Exactly. It's always funny <laughs> to me when I see episodes like this, and I'm like, not even like a slightly sturdier uniform masks or anything like we're the first nope. ones here we don't know what's down here we're just gonna walk around in a swamp yeah getting our feet totally drenched the swamps are full of disease and dangerous creatures on our planet yeah. never mind on other ones <laughs> so o'brien can't beam him up because the transporter detects some unidentified microbes and the biofilter can't screen them out so he brings pulaski she looks at the analysis and he says that he can override the the transporter and beam Riker up but I wonder if Pulaski remembers the last time she wanted to do a medical override and she ended up uh turning very old <laughs> I hadn't thought of that yeah she's like you know what no we're not gonna do that again yeah I'll go check that out myself so of course O'Brien like makes a joke that like oh I hope I've got the right coordinates because he knows that she hates transporters which is not look maybe just PSA general for everyone, if you know someone is nervous about something, maybe don't make unkind jokes about that thing. Yeah, that's that's a bad taste. Yeah, it's a bad not, taste. not kind. But anyway, Pulaski investigates, and Riker tells her something is stuck stuck him in the leg, and now it is numb. Yeah, and that seems bad. They don't know what it is. Pulaski looks it over with a tricorder. I don't, I don't actually know that she needed to go down to do this. She doesn't seem to do very much. 
she just looks at him and she's like, yep, we're going to go up to to sick bay. Maybe it's enough to at least determine that he's not contagious. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. In sick bay, two officers or nurses or something are helping Riker onto a bio bed. And then he says that his whole leg just went dead. Went dead. Bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum, bum. Then we had the intro. Yeah. This is the last time we see this particular intro. Yes, that's true. Yeah, we're leaving because we're, we're now going farther out into space. So the new intro is going to have deeper space objects <laughs> rather than things from our own solar system. That's the way I interpreted it. Because like in the first two seasons, you're kind of closer to home. Yeah, and you know, you're sun. looking at Saturn and Jupiter yeah. and stuff. The sun. And now, you know, we're going farther out. Yeah. Into the frontier. So after the intro, Picard does a captain's log. And I feel like the captain's logs, I don't know if it's going to be quite in season three, but I think by the end of the series, we're going to get a lot fewer of these captain's logs that just tell us what happened in the previous scene. Is that, you think so? Yeah, I got to pay attention to that. Okay, what I'm basing this on is that I, I think I mentioned in the last episode, I've been watching Voyager recently. On Voyager, and I think on Deep Space Nine, they use logs to give us some insight into a character's, like, internal processes and what they're thinking about and how events are reflecting that we might not otherwise see as an audience. Okay. Okay. But what we're seeing with TNG is just Picard just summarizes what has happened up until now. So more exposition than anything. It's, But it's like not even exposition. It's like for those of you who just tuned in, here's what you missed. <laughs> so what you're saying is that the captain's log is a product of commercials. And now that there aren't any commercials it shows, we don't need the captain's log. I, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it could be it. Yeah. That could be it. Before we were telling you about this blender that you had to buy, <laughs> what was going on? Here's what's going on back in the 24th century. Yeah. So Picard enters sick bay and he and Riker, they're bantering a bit. And Pulaski says that his nervous system has been infected by a microorganism. Not a bacteria or a virus, but it has elements of both, which sounds terrible. Yeah. The microbes are multiplying very quickly and infused with the nerves intertwining at a molecular level, which I think is how everything intertwines. Doesn't everything intertwined at a molecular level? Like, how else do things get together? I, I don't know. Always with molecules? I don't know. I don't know either. <laughs> Anyways, there's no nerve damage, but they're impeding nerve function. The infection is spreading, and eventually it's going to get to his brain, and he will die. I feel like the course of action right now should be amputation. Like, I'm sorry, Riker, you have to lose the leg. Yeah, because well, you can always get a fake leg. Yeah. This is the future. We've seen they can do that. Maybe we don't know that yet. The other option is that he dies. Like, yeah, this is this is very odd to me that 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 that's not even like mentioned or like there's isn't a reason why that can't happen. Obviously, it can't happen because then we wouldn't have an episode. We barely have an episode as it is. Right. right we yeah. need we need the plot device. It's weird to me that it's not even brought up. Yeah, I hadn't even thought of that. I guess that's too, like, like old school medicine. Yeah. That'd be too reminiscent of, of, like, what happens to us yeah, too when crazy. we get, like, gangrene or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So Picard said the data and LaForge down to the planet. So they, I guess the idea is that if they get a sample, even though they already have one in Riker, but if they get another one. Yeah, whether they can see on its own. They'll analyze it. Yeah. On its own, yeah, and figure out what got him. They need to know what it was, because I guess they, they don't know. So there's a little bit of back and forth in the transporter room, because Data thinks that LaForge, I, I'm at less risk than you, but LaForge is like, well, I know exactly where Riker was when he got stuck. Also, that was Picard's order, was for the two of them to go down, so. 
Right. Yeah. I, I Data's trying to take care of his friend. I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They care about each other. Data can't detect animal life forms, but he can detect fossilized animal remains. So it looks like they're kind of like in a trap. Yeah. So animals have been killed here in the past. Yeah. Probably somewhere in this area. And maybe this these viney area is sort of like a trap for other animals, like a Venus flytrap kind of thing. Yeah. So LaForge wants to investigate a particular vine, which Data says appears to be dead. But LaForge can see thermal variations. So he decides to kind of tempt it. And he he kind of puts his hand out and then the vine tries to grab him and Data grabs the vine instead because Data's got like yep. super fast reflexes. Data flexes. <laughs> Data flexes, yeah. yeah. And the, the vine right. has grown this like shiny blue thorn. Like it's, you know, a thing that's, I guess that's what they, that's what got into Riker. And, <laughs> and the, the with the vine jumping around and stuff, it was one of the few times where watching... TNG, it reminded me of like an original series monster effect because it's sort of just like this styrofoam wobbly like vine trying to get you. And I'm like, wow, this is this is like old school track with like rubbery monsters and stuff. A lot of practical effects. Yeah. Yeah. LaForge cuts the thorn off of the vine with his phaser. And I don't know why I haven't really noticed it, but like these phasers this season are giant they had the like super yeah, tiny it, ones and then they have these massive ones. It looks like he's going at it with a dust buster. Like it really looks like a, one of those hand vacuum cleaners. Yeah, yeah. It does look like a hand vacuum cleaner. Yeah, the old school phasers in for the first two seasons are much bigger yeah. before they become the more like square, tiny looking ones that we're familiar yeah. with. They have the really little ones sometimes too that look like a like a cell phone from 2004. Yes. Yeah, the type. Those are the type one hand phasers. Yeah. The bigger ones are the type two hand yeah. phasers. Yeah. And if I remember correctly, because I, I watched this episode a couple of days ago, but as he's cutting the thing off with the phaser, doesn't it, it like squeals and stuff, right? I'm not sh- I don't remember it squealing, but I do. It does kind of appear to be alive. Yeah. It, it doesn't really like being phasered at, yeah. which, you know, fair enough. Yeah. So he like then takes it in his tweezers. Weirdly, he doesn't put it into a container until they have transported onto the ship. Like, I thought that would be the first thing you do and then you transport onto the ship. But he transports on just holding it with the tweezers. And then he's like, there it is, Picard, and then puts it in the little container. Yeah, the, the quarantine protocols and safety <laughs> on the ship, like, they just need a full review. Like, come on, everybody. There's like, yeah, I'm just going to go down willy-nilly. I'm not going to wear a suit. We're not going to, like, we might maybe filter things out with the biofilter. We don't know. It's any wonder that they're not all dead. Yeah, it is. It is. So Dana tells Picard that this was not an accident. He thinks the vines infect animals to kill them. So uh, I said a Venus flytrap. It's like a Venus Riker trap. Yeah, exactly. So Dana hopes that his hypothesis is incorrect, but Picard points out that his hypotheses really are incorrect. So likely that's what's yeah. going on. Uh, is this a hypothesis or is this like speculation? Uh, it is a hypothesis, okay. and now it has to be put to the test. Okay. So yes, okay. this does work. It is a it is a hypothetical. Oh right, it's theorizing theorizing that you didn't like you didn't like Picard saying theory yeah. when it was actually a hypothesis. Yes, yeah, we tend to use the word theory a little bit more colloquially, but usually in science, a theory unless yeah. you're talking about mathematics, but everything else. A theory is like a very well-established body of knowledge. No, in mathematics, a theory is also something that has a proof. Isn't that, is that a theorem? 
Is that the same? You would know. You're the math person. Uh, no, it is a, it is a theorem. It's been yeah. a long time since I've done university level math with theorems and proofs. That's that's fair. That's fair. I've never done it, so I can't say. In Pulaski's office, Pulaski is kind of stuck. She can't kill the infection without destroying the nerves that they have attacked. Again, I think that would be preferable to having the infection destroy all of Riker, but whatever. Yep. Riker kind of like experiments. He's on his bio bed and he's like moving his hands around and it it looks to me like the infection or the yeah, the infection is spreading. So it's not just in his leg anymore. It's in his hands now too. Yeah, and Picard and Riker, like they're banning someone. Riker basically says he's faking it or to get some time off. But then he says, and this is the point I was trying to make, yeah. is that he wonders that these kinds of things don't happen more often. And I'm like, yeah, because you're not taking any safety measures whatsoever. Yeah, zero precautions. He does have a nice kind of reflective moment. Picard mentions he's taking it very well. And he's like, well, on missions and on this ship and with you, I've come to learn that most life forms act out of an instinct for survival rather than malice. So he doesn't think that this vine was intending harm. The vine was doing what it had to do to survive. Right. Yeah. It's not like it, it's not an angry vine <laughs> or a mean <laughs> vine. It's like, hey, get out of my house. Yeah. You'd beam it out of my planet. So Picard returns to Pulaski's office and he's like, what can I do to help? And she's like, you can go away. <laughs> go away. Yeah. I got get stuff to do. Hair, yeah. But it's, it's, that's his way of showing love, and I love it. It's great. Like, yeah. I mean, him and Riker at this point, they've now bonded, and he wants to make sure that his first officer is safe. Yeah. A nurse examines Riker, and he starts telling her stories about how Rikers are ornery, and he tells a story about his great-grandfather being bitten by a rattlesnake, and the rattlesnake died. Okay, Riker is too young to tell this joke. Yeah, it's kind of like an old man joke. It is. Like, the joke is, you know, my grandfather was bitten, and after three days of intense pain... The rattlesnake died. Like that is, yeah. that's not, Riker's like 32, 35 here. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a dad joke, like an old middle-aged dad joke for sure. I thought it, it is a funny joke. Fourth season Riker could tell this joke. Season two Riker is, it's a little too young. Yeah. 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 He's not seasoned enough yet <laughs> to be telling that joke. Yeah. No. But Troy enters and notes that Riker is making quite an effort to be cheerful. I'm guessing that she's able to tell that he's. He's worried. And Riker yeah. says that as first officer, he has to set an example. So he has to, facing death is the ultimate test of character. And if he has to do it, he wants to do it with a little pride. What do you, how do you feel about that? Is that, is that toxic? Is that a toxic way of thinking? Yeah, I don't, I don't agree with that. What I will say is having observed in the last several years, like a few different older relatives come to the end of their lives. Each of them did it in an entirely different way. Like, I, I feel like for mm. each of them, it was unique to both the, certainly the situation that was like the circumstances that were leading to that and also like something to do with their personality. Does, does that prove his point then? I, I mean, I don't think that like everybody needs to face death with pride. I think that that's, right. that could be very toxic at the very least. I think it's a little silly. But I, I think there are people who will face death with pride. And he says, he one of the things he says next, which I, I do kind of like just because it seems so consistent throughout how Riker has been written. He says, dying is bad enough, but to lose my sense of humor, forget it. 
That's funny. And I think that's funny. Like I was thinking about that, and I don't want to give away any spoilers, but I was just thinking about this exchange between him and Troy here, and then looking to season three of Picard, and I was like, Riker is a consistently written character. Like once they figured out who he was, yeah, they kept the good parts of him. They did. They did. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So you know what? I tend to dunk on this episode. I think everybody does, but this is it does it does do well by Riker, like in terms of his character and everything. I mean, we all, we just had a really good Riker episode. We did, yeah. I mean, the, Riker episodes are good episodes. Oh, they are and some of the best episodes. The TNG are Riker episodes. Yeah. I mean, arguably even like you know coming up, but the the best of both worlds two parter is arguably Riker episodes as well. You know, like. Yeah. You know, some of my favorites in season seven, like Pegasus, that's a Riker episode. Like, there's a lot of good Riker episodes. This is not one of them. But... Yeah, no, this is not. I'm not yeah. <laughs> no. No, let's... But Turns it takes it well. But... <laughs> this is our favorite episode yeah. of this season. No, but I was going to say, uh, I think Measure of a Man, in a way, also has a uh, good development for Riker, good growth for Riker. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so Troy is holding his hand, calls him Mzadi, which is very sweet. Yeah. But he says he hasn't given up yet, but just as that happens, he falls unconscious. Yeah. His eyes sort of roll back in his head, and the machine's beeping, and yeah. he falls unconscious. Yeah, Pulaski comes running, and she says that the infection has spread to his spinal column, and it's going to spread to his brain within the hour. Should have cut off his leg. Yeah, yikes. Come on. Too late now. So we go to commercial break, and then when we come back, Riker has been taken out of his uniform. He's covered in a hospital blanket, and Pulaski puts a device over his head that has these, like, needle things that that poke toward his head, and they are going to keep his neurons active, which will apparently help keep the infection at bay. And we had no, there was no captain's log here after this commercial break. Oh, so if you just tuned in now, you have no idea what's going on. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Only because it would have been awkward. Captain's log. We we had to take off Riker's clothes. He's now <laughs> naked under this blanket and we have needles in his head. Yeah. There is like it's a really long scene of him getting needles going into his head. The music's like really dramatic. And it's just like dun 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 as the needles are going into his head very slowly. We like putting needles in people's head in Star Trek. That's it, it happens quite yeah. a bit. Yeah. So Pulaski starts stimulating neurons and we get our first flashback to the last outpost so yeah we're basically this is a we reached the fever dream status now of the episode yes so Riker, he's back to being beardless and he's calling for for the rest of his team and then he he bellows anybody anybody (laughs) this is the episode where the ferengi are introduced back in season one we're getting these moments now that in the stimulation of Riker's neurons, all of these memories are being triggered. We cling to life by holding true to these memories, basically, is, is what's going on. Yeah. We go back to sick bay, and Troy is there telling him to hang on. Yeah, and Pulaski's trying to find the right amplitude for the wave patterns to stabilize. it. This episode, more than others, a lot of the stuff that Pulaski said, I was like, this does this cannot mean anything. Like the wave patterns, right? Yeah, a lot of the techno speak. Yeah, there's a part where like yeah, yeah. Troy approaches the the like device that she's looking at. She's like, "Why won't they stabilize?" But like, what what are you <laughs> that, what are you doing? Yeah, <laughs> who knows? We see that Riker's dreaming. We can kind of see his eyes moving back and forth underneath his eyelids. Yeah, and Pulaski and Troy note that he's dreaming, 
And then we go to Encounter at Farpoint, which is Riker's first experience of the holodeck and where he meets Data for the first time. Realizes he can't whistle properly. Yeah. So he has all these things that he can do. He's an android. He's probably superior to humans in over every way. But he still has these like, it's this kind of whimsical way of showing that he still has growth to do. Yeah. You know, even in the, in the most simple way as a, as a person and, and his, his exchanges with people and communicating and relating to humans. And I thought Data's introduction as a character was brilliant in that first episode. Oh, yeah. I agree. Yeah. I also feel that Data, he looks different in from how he looks in season two. He looks different in this episode. I think part of it is how... Brent Spiner plays him like the way he says like marvelous like it's a little more excited than we usually see data getting yeah he's more muted in the later episodes yeah yeah so, I, it is what this is one nice thing about seeing these flashbacks is you do get to see a little bit of how characters have developed and kind of settled into themselves a little more I developed and evolved yeah you can do flashbacks episodes well and have them like that nostalgia come back. Yeah. I, this is probably not one of the better ways to do yeah. it because it's kind of just like chunks that are interspersed for no reason. Yeah, but yeah, 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 no. We have the Dauphin episode where Wesley asks Riker for help in expressing his interest in Celia. Yeah, yeah, right? Celia. Pronouncing it. Yeah. Uh, who's the shapeshifter. Right. Who with the overprotective like mom. Riker helps him by flirting with Guinan. I think we put the audio from that episode. This episode, we did. Put it I didn't other. notice when I watched it before, but I noticed it this time. He like pulls out the chair for he's like, Guinan, can you come join us? And he pulls out the chair and like puts it in as she sits down. I didn't notice he did that for her before. Yeah, Wesley's really annoyed about it. And he was like, okay, I, I don't know if this is for me. And then she's like, shut up, kid, because she wants to keep getting flirted do with. We, do we think, we may have discussed this, do we think Riker has a little crush on Guinan? I mean, why wouldn't you? He, yeah, I mean, this is very convincing, his flirting. I think I think he does have a thing for Guinan. Maybe Guinan is a crush on Riker, too. I mean, why wouldn't you? Yeah, have no, that sure. Either? That's uh, mutual, mutual. People. But I just, right. you know, I don't think this flirting is entirely put on. You know? No. Yeah. No, it's coming too naturally. Yeah. Then we switch to the Icarus Factor, where the episode of Riker's dad showed up to offer him command far on a different part of the different part of the quadrant. The scene we have is when Riker and Troy said goodbye to each other. Was this it's very sad? Was this the sad first scene. time we saw her office? I feel like it was. We haven't seen it much. I don't know, but it's very green. It's yeah, it's very green and pink. I always liked it's her office. Pale green. Yeah, it's got a very calming vibe. I don't like the color. It, it doesn't you know? do it for okay. me. Okay. I, I always liked it. I, I appreciate the office. I don't know. It's not really my color, but yeah, it's it's like the most green room on the entire enterprise. Yeah. Like teal, it's aqua. It's kind of almost like her dress. I yeah, it's like it's green and then there's like a panel that has this white and pink kind of faded. I don't know. I always liked it. Yeah. But uh it, it looks different from like everywhere else on the ship. So back in sick bay, Troy, who's reading Riker's mind while he's unconscious, is saying that he's experiencing feelings of warmth and friendship. And so Pulaski has noticed that the organism's metabolism has changed and wonders if the stimulation is somehow affecting it. So she focuses the impulse pattern on the interpretive cortex, and we flash to now justice, which is the the T where Riker's with the weight team and walks into the courtroom and there's the barely dressed people who are dancing and massaging each other and that's the one where wesley falls into the garden is gonna get executed yeah <laughs> there's just so much skin there's so much skin like, yeah and it's all the same color too it's all like 
tanned white skin. Like all these tanned blonde people, blonde people. wearing very little fabric. And like they've got so much like this this one guy is like getting massaged and his skin is so shiny, like <laughs> so much skin everywhere. Yeah. And then, you know, we 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 pluck the fruit from the garden, unfortunately, and there's that's bad. And then, you know, the God wants to kill us. Yeah. That's <laughs> so bad. We got to save save Wesley and yeah. one of the first violations of the prime directive, yeah. but for a good cause. Yeah. Yeah. So then we go to 11001001, which is, of course, the episode with the binars. And Riker yep. meets Minuet in the holodeck. Minuet. Yeah. So sultry. So sultry. And does she have a slightly robotic voice, you bet? Yeah, I feel like she does. She? does. I feel like her voice, it's weird because most of the characters we meet in the holodeck are like indistinguishable from just people. Well, this character is supposed to be like an upgrade. She's supposed to be more natural. Like, right? Yeah, she's like better right. and her voice feels a little, a little yeah. robotic. So like, how do you think this compares now? Because you know, like those, they have these AI chatbots that can like be your friend now and stuff. <laughs> and like you can slurp with them and be romantic with them. Is that, they're just Minuet. That's what this is now. I think Minuet, much more interesting things to say than those chatbots. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I agree. Yeah. Uh, then we go to Angel One. And that with uh, Riker and Beata, there's also a lot of skin in this episode, too. There is. This uh, is maybe the not one quite as much. When I, uh, I remember we were talking about, like, how many times do people have sex in Star Trek? And, like, how many times do people have relationships? And this one, to me, I, I felt a little uncomfortable with it at the time, I remember. And I still did. Like, it feels coercive because she's, like, the leader of the planet. And Riker is a little bit... Um, I don't know that he has a choice to be like, no, I don't want to do this. Yeah, there's a power dynamic here. Yeah, in the end, he seems very happy with it, but it, it still feels kind of coercive for me. Yeah. Also- You track me like no man, no other man yeah, has. that, that uh, made me think of when sometimes you hear men saying like, oh, I want a girl who's like opinionated, like knows what she wants. And then like when they get together with that woman, they like try to, change her like I felt there was a little bit she was like oh you attract me like no other man has well yeah you, you force all of the men on your planet to be like submissive and don't allow them to speak their mind so yeah well it's kind of like Cindy Lauper says right like some some guys take a beautiful girl and hide her away from the rest of the world right yeah kind of like the same idea like you want someone who's shines bright but then you want to take that light and just kind of like own it yeah and, yeah uh, which is unfortunate she's not cool no, it's not cool. Let people be who they are. Love them for who they are and, and support them in their themness. That's what you should do. Yes, in their themness. So then we get uh, up the long ladder with Brianna O'Dell, who asks Riker if something is wrong while taking off one of her skirts. She's got that. You, one of you, her many skirts. One of her many skirts. And as you noted, how like cool they are with the, the, the cord braid and all that stuff. Uh, <laughs> and she starts... She starts washing her feet by undoing her hair. Yeah, she asks Riker Or he start starts washing her feet by undoing her hair and making out with her. Yeah, yeah. That's she's like, start at the top and work your way down. This is when we learn that some people use washing your feet as a euphemism for sex. I, I haven't, I haven't encountered that. Um, but I will say is that this plan is doing a good job uh, of, of this. Like, you know, like, this is a pretty good fever dream to be having from this plant. Now, some people get high off plants, but not this aggressively. I mean, this has stabbed you, and you're going to have all these flashbacks, though. Well, 
we go back to sick bay it turns that out that the growth rate has doubled oh no so they need to find a different feeling for Riker to experience troy also uh feels a little uncomfortable here she's like well uh it's just that his feelings right now are really passionate <laughs> like she's like i feel awkward listening in on his sex dreams yeah because she may not know about all of these things yeah. maybe she does because we know that they have a very open relationship but she might still feel like she's invading some kind of privacy i think so i, I also i don't think she's fully like reading his mind she's just like feeling the the feelings that he has in response to these right, right, memories. Of course, so of she's course. not living them, but it's still awkward. She's like, oh, he's very horny right now. Right. So what when we find that that's bad, it'll kill you, at least in this circumstance. Yeah. So Pulaski's like, we need to come across this differently. So they want to stimulate different memories. And in this case now, the first thing we go to is skin of evil. So it's a completely different scenario for Riker. He was held by Armis, literally like in a pool of goo. Yeah. I, one of the more disturbing scenes. Yeah, we we, we see where uh, Tasha Yar get killed here. Yes, as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then uh, I'm thinking back as well to like, when one of the more disturbing scenes I remember from a kid watching Star Trek is when Riker's pulled into the Armist slick of oil oh, yeah. and he just, then he, his head bobs up yeah. and his mouth is still wide That's open not, and he's yeah. covered in all that oil. And, like, and it's that, gross, that, yeah. that oil is like getting into his mouth. Like, oh, it's so unpleasant. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Crusher shows up in this memory. Yeah, <laughs> because she's, she's, she's in the scene. This is the first time this season we, we see Dr. Crusher. I hadn't thought of that, but yeah, yeah. you're probably right. And then uh, the child, yep. this is where Troy uh, became pregnant from like, Space, it was a space baby. Mystical pregnancy. Always, always. Mystical pregnancy. In our sci fi. Yeah, virgin space birth, I guess. But in this case, Troy stands over Ethan, which is the child that was born. uh, Pulaski tries to keep him from dying because he just lived like this very short life. Yeah, I actually, in seeing this, I originally thought this was a. They were back in, in sickbay in like the present because it's just like Troy and Pulaski standing beside a bed. Um, but Troy's hair is slightly right. different, so then I, then I realized right. that uh, it's it's this episode. I think right now what Riker is feeling is sadness because he's just witnessed uh, Tasha Yar dying, and then he's witnessing Troy's child die. I think this gives some insight, whether intentionally or not, by the writing into the into into Riker's brain, because when the good feelings were happening, these were things that were happening to him. But what is it these bad feelings are happening? He's watching them happen to other people. Like the feelings of sadness he's feeling are ones of empathy from watching other people's loss or their suffering yeah. or death. It could also be that we haven't seen Riker experience a lot of bad things to himself yet. I'm not sure. Maybe not. I mean, he gets uh, he gets grabbed by the the drug addicted people. Oh yeah, yeah. We will see that season. one. Uh, we yeah, I think that one comes up. And like, there's the thing with Arbus when he's yeah. under the oil yeah. and stuff like that too. But anyways, that seems to be working because Pulaski says that the growth rate has reduced, and Troy says Riker's feeling sadness. So that kind of emotion must produce different endorphins that inhibit the growth of the these microbes. What we do know though, at the very least, is that all those fossilized animals that data had found earlier probably all died very happy yeah <laughs> yeah and i guess that's okay because <laughs> it doesn't like sad it doesn't like sadness it doesn't like sad so it made them feel happy to death so that's something i guess 
So they decide to kind of refocus the pattern so that they can isolate memories that generate these stronger negative emotions. And then we flash to uh, the episode of Matter of Honor, which is when Riker took a position aboard the Klingon ship as part of the sort of cultural exchange. And I actually take issue with this because even though this is the scene we see is where he he fights Clagg, the second officer, because Clagg challenges his authority. Great to see Clagg again. Love Clagg. So good. But I don't think I think that Riker would overall have positive emotions associated with this. I feel like this was a good experience for him. He would. Yeah, he won. And Clagg's butt. And then he later he earned Clagg's respect. And yeah. it's also like a a moment to help develop his friendship with Worf. Like it's weird to me that yeah. this would just because it's a fight. It's weird that this would be like a strong negative emotion. Yeah, that's it is an odd odd yeah. one because I guess they're just showing like a conflict, but that's not necessarily yeah that it's bad. In contrast to the next one they show, yes. which is from the conspiracy episode where Admiral Gregory Quinn, who has that like bug thing in his neck. And wants to show Riker a superior life form and infect him with it, and then like beats the crap out of Riker because he's all hopped up on adrenaline and can throw him across the room and stuff. Yeah, Riker. I noticed in this uh, watch through that Riker seems at first more shocked at like how much of a punch this old man packs, more more shocked than like worried about getting beat up. He's just like surprised, like wow, you're punching me really hard. But Riker himself gets some uh, impressive high kicks. He kicks. Admiral Quinn in the face. Yeah, it's a really awkward fight scene, actually. I, <laughs> it is. The, the choreography is really weird. I don't know if they're kind of like, this is in the future. This is how we fight with these like really awkward high kicks and stuff. But yeah, you get some of the man, and of course it doesn't do anything because Quinn's being run by this little bug in his brainstem. Yeah, yeah. We go back to sickbay and Pulaski says that they have reduced the growth rate even further, but not enough. His vital signs are still deteriorating. And Troy says he's feeling primal survival emotions. Okay. What's funny to me is that every time we go back to sickbay, they're like, what are we going to do? And the answer is always, we're just going to do more of what we've already been doing. Like refocus the pattern, whatever that means, refocus the pattern more. We've got to we make it tighter, right. make it more, make it refocus it, make it stronger, make it tighter. Like it's always the yeah. same thing. Like, what are we going to do? Just turn up the volume. Turn the volume. Yeah, because we only have so much script we're allowed to write for this episode <laughs> or whatever. But we got to we have to neutralize the infection or Riker will be dead within half an hour. Tells you the episode is half around <laughs> how much. Yeah, the episode's about half an hour left. Yeah. So we got to figure this out. Literally in real time, one of the episodes that needs to be finished. Listen, in half an hour, this episode's got to be done, okay? So we got to figure this out. Yeah. So Troy takes Riker's hand, and then we go to commercial break. It was a medical log now. Pulaski is the one doing the exposition. So she tells us that she's discovered a way to reverse Riker's condition, but that she may be too late. Yeah. So Troy says that Riker is getting weaker. And then this is when we flash to symbiosis. So this is the episode where there were two planets, and one of them was providing the other ones so the Breckians were providing the Ornarans with Felicium which was they said was a medicine yeah. but it turned out they were actually uh, just keeping them addicted to this uh, narcotic I believe and so yeah. Tijan is one of the Ornarans he threatens to kill Riker if Picard doesn't give them the Felicium and he he, he like zaps him with his with his hand it gets all like flashy yeah. see Crusher again here 
This is also a storyline that was revisited in this season of Lower Deck. Yes. Yeah, that was a good one. Go back to last show post. <laughs> <laughs> so then the the Ferengi attack Riker, Data, and LaForge. And I noticed that it was clearly a stunt double playing Data at this point. <laughs> it was not Brent Spiner who fell down. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. This is before the age of like Tom Cruise and like Keanu Reeves doing their own stunts and stuff like that. It was, uh, that's yeah. how went down. But it's funny to me, like in watching the episode itself, I didn't notice that, I don't think. But in watching it this time, right. when I'm like not focusing on the plot because there isn't really one. I was able to pick up on things like that. Oh, yeah. I think this is stuff, too, that people expected that maybe on lower definition TV. Yes, for You sure. probably wouldn't be able for to sure. see it. But now with like now that this is all the Blu-ray rescan, which we're all grateful for. This is great, especially for TNG. But oh, that's yeah. stuff that you're probably going to pick yeah. up on. Yeah. This time we go to the that other scene back in Skin of Evil where Armas actually does envelop Riker. So we're going to kind of the darker side of these things that are more affecting Riker like directly. You know, back in sick bay, though, Pulaski says the growth rate is down to 7%, but the organizing organism is still impairing his neurofunctioning. So they give him tricordrazine, yeah. which is, I think, a drug that they also use in the original series. And it's like one of the ones that you're like, oh, that's that's the powerful stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, earlier, I think she said something like, I don't want to give him tricordrazine unless I really have to. So she were on. Yeah, you don't mess with yeah. that stuff. And then what does Troy suggest? Yep. Tightening the pattern even further. Tighten the pattern. And the sequences start getting faster as yes. well. Like they're speeding up and stuff. Yeah. Like that. yeah. So we go to 11001001 again, but this time it's the part where Picard and Riker set the auto destruct sequence, which looks different like every time it shows up on the show. Oh, like how it's actually set on yeah. each ship? Like in, in this one, it's like <laughs> yes. it's the first officer and the captain are, they have to do it together. They have to be in complete agreement. It's an automatic five minute uh, countdown. And uh, after that, it's like anyone can be like, computer, self-destruct, 20 minutes. Uh, just a side note about the self-destruct system is that there's been a few times, I think, at least once in the movies where they set the auto-destruct sequence and the computer says that the auto-destruct sequence is offline. Yes. And I'm like, how hard can it be to make your ship blow up? <laughs> it's full of like antimatter. <laughs> like literally, like it's not that hard. I don't it's such an unsafe machine. You're like, nope, can't. that's the one thing I can't do. I, I can't do. I can't even blow. I can't blow the thing up, yeah. even though it's literally just a bomb all the time. So we go to Heart of Glory. Uh, Riker, Dana, LaForge, and the three Klingons try to get off on a freighter that's about to explode. And this is where they find the three Klingons that end up trying to take over the ship. But Yar tries to beam them up, and then there's too much interference. And she almost doesn't get them, and the ship's about to explode. And it's very exciting and dramatic. Yeah. Back in sick bay, Troy's like, we're almost down to zero. There's almost no growth. And Kalaski's like, nope, not good enough. So now we go to a very quick shot. I thought it was like maybe a solar flare. But according to Memory Alpha, it's actually a clip of the Project Genesis footage from Wrath of Khan. Yeah, they just started like, it's kind of a kitchen sink now. Just they're like, listen. <laughs> We can't film anymore for this episode. We own this other footage. Let's just start throwing it in here and like cutting it together. We have the bug aliens that are speaking through Remick, which is obviously super creepy and weird. Uh, we have Riker fighting Ferengi. There's the symbiosis stuff where Tajad is zapping him. Back in Conspiracy, Quinn is shooting at Picard and Riker. 
We get the auto-destruct. We get the, a really fun clip of Data drunkenly putting the isolinear chips back in their proper spots in uh, The Naked Now when everyone got drunk off the It's not that scary. Powder. I don't know why that's it's, Well, it's not scary, but the ship was going to <laughs> get destroyed if he didn't do it fast enough. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's true. We have Armis dragging Riker. You think that we're like repeating stuff, but just shorter in the cut. Yeah. Armis dragging Riker, punching Clag again. Again, the auto-destruct sequence. Yeah, we get a scene from uh, Loud as a Whisper, which is the episode mm. with Riva, who had his three interpreters. And uh, this is where one of the leader of one of the factions like kills his subordinate after the subordinate killed Riva's three interpreters, yeah. Chorus. Yeah. And then, yeah, we just kind of cycle through these clips. These little clips, yeah. Riker and Picard blowing up Remick's head, which is super gross. Yeah. Back in the sick bay, Riker is like grimacing... And Pulaski says, uh, looks at his vitals and says that they've eradicated the infection. So I probably because it ran out of time and they can't do anything else. But they're like, the infection had progressed to this point. They said they stopped its growth rate. But I guess it doesn't have to recede now. It just dies. So as long as they get it to stop growing, it, it's gone and he's fine now. It's a very, it's very, it's very fast. Like it goes from like it's almost at his brain to it's just out of his body. It's out of his body. Yeah. And he wakes up and he's happy to see Troy. And he says that he feels beat and that they wouldn't believe the dreams he was having. They would. They would believe them entirely. They would believe them entirely. It's like, actually, we've been watching in on all those <laughs> yeah, dreams. Some of them were Awkward. A little uncomfortable. Riker wants to leave, but Pulaski says that she still has like some tests to run and thinks there might be some memory loss. But Picard enters and Riker says that he knows that he's Captain Jean-Luc Picard, captain of the USS Enterprise. And Picard jokes that he is the Admiral. And uh, the Admiral Data here, yeah. we're worried about Riker, and Data doesn't get the joke. Yeah, it's it's one of those classic, like, Data doesn't get it jokes. Then the Enterprise flies away, and that is the end. The end, and the end of season two, and probably one of the most anticlimactic season finales in television history, but again, given the context. But they'll make up for it next season. They will. It's interesting, we talked last season about how how terrible the ending like we get conspiracy and then the, the final episode of the season is the neutral zone which is like just not an interesting episode at all somehow this season the ending was even worse you know, worse <laughs> yeah yeah they but again i think i think they learned from this and they're gonna make up for it at the, the end of next season which is one of the best tv finales season finales in history yeah. But something to look forward to, and maybe Ruthie in your methodical analysis of Star Trek history can find out some of the reasons for this, because I'd be interested <laughs> to, know it, to know it too. But from this, the first two seasons to the beginning of next season, TNG looks a lot different. Like the production design yeah. changes, the lighting changes, yeah. the costuming changes. We get the new uniforms next season. We have the new beginning to the show. So it's almost like a soft refresh of how the show looks, but we won't see as much of like the black tape on the back of the bridge to stop like set lighting from reflecting off the glossy <laughs> background of the bridge. Like they finally figured out how to light the set properly. Like we don't, things aren't quite as white and metallic in color. They're a lot softer and warmer in the lighting. Yeah. So I, I don't, something changes between now and then production sidewise. And I'm interested, interested to know what. Yeah. I don't, I don't like, I don't know anything about making TV, so I can't comment on anything technical, but the whole <laughs> feel of, even just the first episode, and it will continue to change, but even just that first episode of season three, yeah, the cinematography is different. The 
I think the the music, the kind of standard musical cues that they use are different. Like they have some sort of like spooky, creepy music, but it's different from the spooky, creepy music from this episode or from this season. And of course, also the uniforms change. Yeah, so it feels it feels a lot warmer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the set just feels warmer and a little bit more inviting in color. It's a little bit more colorful, saturated, a little bit more saturated looking. Yeah. Uh, we'll see that once we get to the next. And I feel like the special effects take a step up as well. I wonder if the show, because it was, I'm guessing it was it was starting to become quite successful, that if maybe even the production value of the episode started going up. Because even if you look at like the first episode next season, Evolution, the special effects in it are like pretty, like a pretty big step up from anything that we've seen already in the show. Yeah. And we'll see that. Yeah. Well, you'll hear about it. You won't, won't see, see it. it. You'll hear we will see it. You can hear about it. It. <laughs> it, it, is, it is a big step up. There are some pretty cool effects in the next episode. I'm, I'm yeah. excited for that one. Yeah. Yeah. Hooray. Yeah. We've made it through the first two seasons. <laughs> we've done it. We did. Hooray. There were, Yay, yes. there were some good Hooray, episodes. Yes. One I didn't really mention when we were doing our like recap, I, I but I did mention this in the last episode. The last episode, I think, is really good. That would have been a great season finale. They could have just ended it there. Totally. Yeah, I think so. Like some kind of little cliffhanger there in the end about whatever else is going on next season. But I will say this, though, is that those episodes, I think because they also look different, they're like still in a different decade and stuff. I think we might be still in 89. Yeah. Yeah, we are. But while TNG feels like two different shows sometimes in my memory. Yeah. Like the earlier stuff and the later stuff, like it feels the later stuff feels more like a 90s show. But those first two seasons were when I was younger. The show was brand new. And I know that some of the episodes are really hit and miss. But there is something a little bit more, I don't know, maybe magical and nostalgic about those first two seasons in my head. So they, they have a different place in my heart. And so I still like yeah. revisiting these seasons sometimes you know, for sometimes. those select episodes. They are. It's a totally different feel. I agree. And I think that. For the most part, I would say I prefer season three on, but I there is something though about the feeling of seasons one and two that you don't get in season three, and it, it's just gone after that. And I think it's something that personally, like I don't necessarily like it as much, so I don't necessarily see it as a loss. But I know what you mean, like that feeling. There's a certain nostalgic feeling for those particular kinds of episodes that that I don't have for the later ones. Yeah, totally, totally. Any other final thoughts? I think I think those are all of my thoughts. All right. As you said to me before we started recording, we've reached our thought quota. <laughs> thought quota, yeah. We've hit our thought quota for season two. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, listen, everyone, thank you so much for listening to this episode and the previous two seasons of With the First Link. If you like what you heard, please feel free to leave us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast provider of choice. Our cover art was created by Nathan Nunn, and you can find more of his work at nathannunn.ca. Our theme song is An Amazing Adventure by Flame Lion Studio. You can follow us on Instagram and on Twitter at FirstLinkPod, or send us an email at firstlinkpod at gmail.com to let us know your greatest hits of the first two seasons of Star Trek TNG. I'm Ruthie. And I'm Matthew, and if you're visiting an alien jungle, wear some heavier pants. 